No sense in beating around the bush because I'm going to get right to it today because um, a lot to say. In fact, don't rush to the phone because I have a lot of things to say. And I want you to listen very closely and very carefully because uh, who knows what evil lurks, you know, in the hearts of uh, people from coast to coast. I listened to a half an hour when I left this building yesterday that just turned my stomach inside out. Turned my stomach inside out. And, you know, I got a pretty good sense of humor, okay? I think I got a real good sense of humor. And I'm also not thin-skinned, because when you work in this business, and especially in this market for almost a dozen years, if you've got thin skin, you're not going to make it. And I take the heat from everywhere. Now, I joke very often about the fact that when it rains, I get blamed for it, and when uh, somebody gets fired here, I get anything that people get upset about, I get blamed for And now we have a new, we have sunk to new lows because now I have trashed my good friend, I'm told. You know, each of the last three days has gotten progressively worse. Why? Because I've had the audacity, I guess, to play that little bit on cart. I want you to hear the cart, by the way. Can you hear that? I bulk erased it this morning. So you hear that whooshing sound in the back. I purposely didn't do a good job. I wanted to leave whooshes on there. Okay? Is that picking up? You can't hear it? Well, that's all that's on the card anyway. Just little whooshing sounds. We could let it go the rest of the show. Could be the new background for the news. And you finally reach a point in life where you get tired of taking crap. You know what I'm saying? You get tired of the abuse. And you get tired of everybody else, thin-skinned, childish people, taking out their anger and frustration on you. And I hear it on, I've heard it consistently. You know, oh yeah, we take a lot of shots at people on this show. No question about it. But we don't orchestrate an entire program to attack somebody. And here we had a show, how many weeks ago was it? Four or five weeks ago? Less than that where another one of the juvenile people in this market did four hours, four solid hours, under the pretense of discussing talk radio, of attacking me, including some of the most, the wildest lies and hysteria and paranoia that anyone could imagine, and I didn't dignify them then, and I'm not going to do it now with a response, because it spoke for itself. It was so obvious what it was. And then a couple of days ago, lo and behold, here on the same radio station again on WIOD, we have another two hours with a board op orchestrating over, presiding over that performance of let's attack Neil and what he does on the air. We can't beat him, we can't compete with him, so let's get him off the air. Let's attack him. We get it from the Miami Herald, we get it from the Miami News, my good dear friends at the Miami News who know me so well. That's the thing that amazes me about this. All of these people who know me so well because they listen to a radio show who wouldn't know me if I bumped into them in an elevator. Like Lou Salome, never met the man. Charlie Whitehead, never met the man. And of course, my dear friend Howard Kleinberg. And I was beginning to wonder last night, I was thinking about all of this, isn't it interesting that Cox Broadcasting, which owns WIOD, also owns Cox Newspapers, which owns the Miami News. And I guess I would sound paranoid if I were to suggest that all of a sudden, these last couple of months, the Miami News has taken a sour turn on Neil Rogers. 
can't miss an opportunity to take some shots. And yesterday, as I'm driving out of here, I hear that we, uh, we, I guess that's the collective we that's so popular on this show lately, we have been trashing Stan Major for four hours yesterday. And that came as quite a shock to me, because I didn't know that we had been doing that, or that I had been doing I thought we were having a little fun with that cart, which I still think is funny. You won't hear it again, because as you heard, I just erased it. And I wouldn't go through the work of putting it on cart again. I thought we were having a little fun with it, because to me, the whole Don Johnson, Miami Vice thing is, is a joke. It's funny. Evidently to Stan, it's not funny. And when you take the constant, I mean, even when you try to do something you think is for the good of the community, like the thing with Mr. Valdez and getting people to call their elected officials and maybe a handful of malcontents call with bomb threats or death threats, maybe. I'm not so sure that any of those calls really came in, but assuming a handful, a half a dozen of them did, of course, nobody writes about the other 1,995 calls or however many there were. The only thing they write about is the fact that this show is responsible for verbal terrorism. And it's the Neil Ratings again, who'll do anything for ratings, but has never done anything positive for the community in the dozen years that he's been here. Again, keep in mind, the people writing this are all these people who know me so well. And I guess seven weeks ago yesterday, when my roommate died, I must have missed all those sympathy cards that came from my good personal friends, like Charlie Whitehead and Lou Salome. And all of these other people, Steve Kane, who know me so well. I must have missed them. Maybe they got lost in all the mail we get. Is that possible? I guess so. I missed your card, Steve. Because if these people all know me personally and know me so well and know where I'm coming from and know that I'm such a bigot and such a bad guy, you would think that they would know a whole lot about me. Which they don't. But somebody who ought to know a lot about me is Stan Major, because I've worked with him for 10 years. He's one of my best friends, always has been. And if you've listened to my programs when Stan was here before, when he was in Philadelphia, when he was in Phoenix, in fact, I've had Stan, we had him on the phone a few times to do some shows together about different topics from time to time, just like we've had Jerry Williams on. And of all the people I know in this business, the one person I have never trashed, never taken the opportunity to take a shot at seriously, is Stan Major. Never. And I listened yesterday and I hear uh, people who want to say something positive or who think the whole thing is childish, we're all cut off immediately. But isn't it interesting how some of these old farts, some of the same old pathetic people, like that guy in Hallandale who sounds like Sonny Rosenberg's brother with the poems or what, with his song. How many times have we heard that same call? Neil can dish it out, but he can't take it, and he's singing. How many times have we heard that guy? Now, all of those people seem to be on for a substantial, at least for a couple of minutes, including the woman again about, oh, my husband and I. How many times have we heard her? My husband and I, we were so fond of you when you were here before, and we're so happy that you're back. But my husband warned me that Rogers is using you. He's using you as a whipping boy, and look out, you'll be next. He got Ernie fired and Taffy fired. I got news for you, folks. I didn't get anybody fired. I have nothing to say about anything that goes on in this radio station. I have nothing to say about my own vacation, as a matter of fact. 
which I don't want to take. I'm going on what they call an enforced vacation next Friday. If I'm still here by then. So I have nothing to say about this show, much less about anybody else. And yes, I was delighted to see Taffy go, just like I was delighted to see John Broward go. But it wasn't my decision, it was a management decision. And why did they go? Because they were terminally boring. And because their demographics were 100 plus. Because they weren't broadcasters and neither one of them ever will be. And it finally gets to the point where you just want to throw up your arms and say, hey, listen, you know, you can't please anybody. And I put my neck on the line to get Stan Major hired on this radio station. I fought and screamed and yelled and carried on like a maniac because to me, he's one of the finest talk hosts in the country. And he's one of the few people who could do what he's doing in Afternoon Drive. And, you know, we joke about Miami Vice and about Don Johnson and his obsession with her, whatever we want to call it. It's a joke. And I thought we had a lot of fun here yesterday for four hours. At least I thought we did. There were people coming in from around the building who were getting a chuckle out of what we were doing, a lot of which had nothing to do, in fact, most of which had nothing to do with Stan. And I listened to this yesterday when I left here, and it just, uh, I got to tell you, you have to really wonder. You know, life is very short. I learned that a short time ago. That once you die, it's a very permanent thing. It's not temporary very permanent and to waste your time fighting you know, it, it reminds me a little Mike Spindell is a good example classic example I'll use him Mike Spindell knows how much I like him okay there's no way to dislike Mike Spindell it's not possible to dislike him he's like a little curmudgeon there's no way to dislike him and yeah, he has his eccentricities like the rest of us with his wrestling and his Mets and all of these other little things. And yeah, I've joked about that. I've talked about different things he's done on his show. We've had some fun with that. And I can't tell you how many times his skin has gotten very thin and he's come back on very upset and wounded with me. So when the guy in Hallandale wants to sing about people who can dish it out but can't take it, He's got the wrong guy, because I take more abuse than all the others put together. In a week, I take more abuse than all the others put together. And you know something? Doesn't, usually doesn't bother me in the least bit. Up until yesterday, it didn't bother me at all. And Sonny Fox can come on and talk about my trying to change a $3 bill in Winn-Dixie. And this one can come on and do something else. And Steve Kane can come on and do four hours of ripping and lying and shredding and attacking my everything under the sun from my mother to you name it. Doesn't faze me, because I know what the business is all about. And I know the nature of most of these people. It's a radio show. And I know that most of these people don't really know me from Adam. In spite of what they think in their own mind, they don't know me from Moishi Pupik, okay? And just when you're having a good time and just when you're enjoying coming to work and just when things are going well and you've got gigantic numbers and you've pulled off this incredible miracle of bringing thousands, not a few, but thousands of people from FM back to AM, there are those people who can't stand prosperity. They have to have a crisis. They have to make a mountain out of a molehill. including the people at the corporate headquarters in this company. So those of you malcontents out there, you don't have to worry because you're going to get your way. Whether it's today or whether it's next Friday or whether it's a week from Sukkot, 
you're going to get your way eventually. Because Neil Rogers won't be on WINZ. You can go to the bank on that. You can bet your life on it. You can bet a lot more than you did on Heat Wave in the eighth race at Calder yesterday. With a much more definite result. Because there are those people who can't stand prosperity. They not only want you to accomplish certain things, but they want you to do it their way. And the bottom line is, in this market and in this uh, situation here, you can't please anybody. Not possible. 20 minutes after 10 at WINZ, we'll come right back. Twenty-four after ten at WINZ, and it's not going to be fun in games today. I'll tell you that, as if you can't tell it already, and I'm sorry about that. But uh, I don't think I owe any apologies to anybody at this point, and I'm not going to offer anybody any apology today because um, you know it's it's not forthcoming. If anybody owes me an apology, that person knows who it is, because what I heard yesterday was downright embarrassing, and to allow these people, these ridiculous little old farts, calling it, oh, he got. Ernie fired, too. Ernie Sochin's a good friend of mine. Ernie's been a guest on my show for years. For years. And one day he took me to lunch in North Miami Beach at Corky's. I'll never forget the day. And he said, I really would like a, a shot. I'd love to do a talk show. And I got Ernie Sochin hired on this radio station. And to the day when Ernie was let go here, I was in the understanding that he was still going to be here. I knew nothing about it. Now, of course, those people who don't want to believe that aren't going to believe it. Because, as usual, I'm responsible for everybody who gets fired. Even on other stations, I'm responsible for people getting fired. Somebody in the print media, I forget who it was, a couple of weeks ago, asked me if I was responsible for Sandy Payton and Mike Miller getting fired in IOD. How do you like that? As if I have any control of what Cox Broadcasting does. And, of course, we know that they're such a reputable company, and they treat everybody so well, including my best friend, Bill Calder, who they've screwed to the point where the man is like inside out and upside down. They gave him such a screwing and lied through their teeth, this wonderful, reputable company, Cox Broadcasting. But again, I'm somehow responsible when somebody else gets fired. You know, it's one thing to joke about it, but it's another thing when people believe it. It's another thing when they're given the opportunity to come on the air on this radio station and say it. Because somebody is wounded. And I still have no idea about what, to be very honest with you. I still don't understand it. And any time management has said to me, well, Stan ought to be doing this or Stan ought to be doing that, my immediate response has been, Stan's doing a hell of a job. And he's going to do 50 times better than Daffy McCallum ever dreamed of. And he is already doing that. It's already showing. In the short time that he's been here, it already shows. But as I said, in this business, there are those who can't stand prosperity, including the people who own this radio station can't stand prosperity. And I'm not going to apologize to anybody, including anyone in Portland, Maine, or any of the other Neanderthals, for anything that I've played on the air or said on the air. 
See, the FCC isn't going to take Neil Rogers off the air because Neil Rogers hasn't done anything that's actionable, okay? Not even close. But this company is ultimately going to cause Neil Rogers to be, when I say off the air, I'm talking about this radio station. Because I'm not going to miss any meals, okay? I'm not going to be out of work. When you reach a point of no return in your life and you say, you know, my life has got to have some kind of value to myself. You've got to have some kind of self-respect. And when you sit and you pull off a major miracle on a station that's been the most geriatric-oriented station on the AM dial for years with a dying format, and you breathe life into it and bring living and breathing people back to it and have everybody talking about it, and you don't even get a thank you from the people who own and operate it, and the best that they can do is say, well, we don't like this, and we don't like that, and we got a phone call about this, then it's not a very uplifting experience. As I've always said to you, it's another one of those great radio morale boosters. And boy, do they know how to boost your morale in this business. See, because ultimately the talent were like, were like cattle. Cattle. And we're just used and manipulated, and when they've turned you inside out, they put you out to pasture, and they say to hell with you, just like they did at Cox Broadcasting, in the most unceremonious of ways. And you see, the, the real problem is here that there are people enjoying this show. See, that's bad. We're having a good time. That's, they don't know how to deal with that. They don't know how to cope with that. That's why you find so many people in this business who love to take, like the former uh, person I worked for who owned WNWS, Woody Sudbrink. He made all his money by taking stations, FM stations and putting in automation machines and putting on slush music, Muzak. See, then you don't have to deal with personnel. You don't have to deal with those pain-in-the-ass talent people. You just put tapes on machines and they just automatically keep going all day long. And that's what most ownership people in this business can relate to because they can't relate to the fact that the talent are living and breathing human beings with needs and feelings and who really exist and breathe the air. As opposed to just automatons to be, oh, there's that word again, mindless automatons, like the audience. And so you see, in the long run, the audience gets the shaft too because the people who enjoy this show, you're the ones who are going to get screwed. Because I'll find another job. I'll find something somewhere, and I'm sure probably make a lot more money than I'm making here. But you're the ones, ultimately, who are going to get screwed because you're enjoying what we're doing or you wouldn't be listening. Or those who aren't enjoying, those who are enjoying it in a masochistic way, are still getting a certain sense of enjoyment from it. But yesterday, I reached the point at which I finally said to myself, hey, wait a minute, slow down, let's put everything on hold. I've lost control over my own destiny as a human being. And then this morning when I came in, as if I needed any more impetus, because I was already going to do this show today, as if I needed a little bit more fuel on the fire, I find out they're having a baby, so to speak, to, to use the expression up in Portland, Maine, because Jack Thompson, who called in here yesterday, whose name isn't even really Jack Thompson, called yesterday to complain to our corporate headquarters. And so therefore we can't play this, and we can't play that, and we can't do this, and we can't say that, etc. What we can do, we don't know, because our management isn't here. So we don't know what we can do, but we know what we can't do, which is just about everything that we've been doing for eight months on this show. So where does that leave us? 
You see, it's one thing to be out on a limb, and I'm used to it. I've been out there on a limb for years. But when you're out on a limb all alone, and you turn around, and there's nobody even behind you on the bottom of the tree, then it creates a problem. And when one of your best friends is saying, Oh, gee, trashed me, and all my contract's up in February, and I wish I was back in Philadelphia, because you played Don Johnson on a tape, then you've got to say to yourself, Hey, wait a minute, uh, so I'm losing contact with reality. Or somebody's losing contact with reality here. And it gets old. It really does. And I think I've got a pretty strong reserve of um, whatever it is that is required to take a lot of crap from a lot of people. Which is one of the reasons I've dished it out. That, I've learned that in this market. That's a survival technique. It's just like with the callers. The callers want to be civilized. I try to treat them civilized. If they want to be obnoxious, fine. I give it right back to them. That's called survival. But even when you have a lot of that, whatever that quality is, you finally reach a point at which you say, hey, I think I've used it all up. It's exhausted. And that's the point at which I find myself this morning. Because everything that I do is bad. I mean, you know, run down the list. You know, I'm a bigot, and I get everybody fired, and I do all those dirty, terrible things on the air, and everything I do is for ratings, and there got to be some more. Oh, yeah, and I trashed Stan for four hours yesterday because I played Don Johnson. I mean, how can you get to be much worse than that? You know, I never killed anybody, and I never did steal a freight train or even a caboose. But uh, short of those things, you can't get much worse than Neil Rogers. You can't be a much nastier guy. I mean, after 12 years, all of these terrible negative things that I've done, these divisive things in a community, and here poor George Valdez and his family are living in terror and fear because, after all, I was responsible for instigating all of that verbal terrorism. You know, and you can go right down the list of all these evil, terrible things. I mean, if you listen to some people, I don't even like my mother. I'm such a bad guy. Of course, the fact that they take stories out of context and they lie and they twist and they leave certain parts of it out, that's okay. That's okay. And primarily, you know, it was interesting to me yesterday as I listened in that half hour... The younger voices were people saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't be mad at Neil. You know, forget about it. No big deal. It was a joke. The older voices, again, the chronic old Chalieris, that segment of old farts who keep this town from being anything, who make it into an outdoor funeral parlor, as always, those were the ones. Boy, because they love it. They love to pit this one against that one. They're full of bitterness and hate. Their whole lives are just filled with bitterness. And they love to share it because, as I've told you for years, misery loves company. And that's where those people are coming from. But, you know, when the day comes, whatever day that is, that those people turn on their radios and they can't find me anywhere in the dial, they're not going to know what to do with themselves. They're going to have to find something new and it won't be easy to focus that hatred on. Like the old guy from Hallandale with his song, who wouldn't miss the show if his life depended upon it. And like the old lady who calls here every day with my feet stink, you know, the one she called yesterday. I forget the line yesterday. Every day. 
Oh, she also called in during that half hour, too. The fat fag was uh, obnoxious today. The fat fag, which got on the air about three or four times, I noticed. See, that was okay. That was good. That wasn't the shot. That was just a joke. And I think somebody I know ought to be ashamed of himself. Because what I need, instead of paranoia and instead of whatever it is, I can't even describe it. I don't know what is going on in the man's mind. What I would need is a little support from somebody because it comes at a time when this show is being attacked from everywhere, including from the people now who own the radio station. And once the people who own the radio station decide that what I'm doing on the air isn't acceptable anymore, then I can't be here anymore because I'm not going to go back to interviewing nutritionists who tell you whether your BM sinks or whether it floats and all that other crap that the other stations are putting on the air. I'm not going to do that again. Ever. If I have to go out and live on the street, I'll do it before I'll go back to doing that again because it's pathetic. And because I don't enjoy it. Twenty-three to eleven, it wins. We'll come right back. Twenty before eleven in WINZ, and it gets even better, boys and girls. During the break, we had a uh, lady in here from the Dade County Sheriff's Department to serve me and the station with a complaint from our good friend Dr. Heffernan. And of course, this turns out to be a complaint for an emergency, temporary, and permanent restraining order from us mentioning the doctor's name or phone number on the air. Where's NRF coming from all of a sudden? You hear that? Is it back? Maybe it's an omen. Well, if you don't hear it the first time, you can hear it the second time. Anyway, uh, so we now have in our hands, and it's kind of fascinating to me because it says in the last paragraph, wherefore the plaintiffs pray for an immediate temporary and permanent injunction, they've already got the temporary one, restraining WINZ and Neil Rogers from mentioning or broadcasting over the air the names or phone numbers of the plaintiff and grant the plaintiff any other relief deemed just. Well, it's interesting, you know, the temporary injunction they got had to do with giving the phone number out because it is a physician's office and we don't want to jeopardize the health of any of the patients, create a problem for them not getting through. And we've already long since stopped giving that number on the air. But in terms of the name, you see, Dr. Heffernan wants to play the game, but only on his rules. See, he's become a public figure. When he formed his so-called committee for First Amendment rights or whatever he calls it, he became a public figure at that moment. When he went on the air on WNWS before he hung up on Jeff Charles, he also embellished that standing as a public figure. When his son was on two days ago on WIOD, replacing Sick Daddy, uh, he also became a public figure. So the idea that we aren't going to mention Dr. Heffernan's name on the air is ludicrous. Because he's the ringleader of the people who are doing their damnedest to try to get this show off the air. And as I said in the first part of the hour, probably will succeed not because of their own efforts, but because of the company's response. If that makes any sense to you. So this really doesn't amount to much of anything. Just more of the same that we've seen before. And again, you know, the bottom line is that it's strictly censorship and they can deny it all they want, but the bottom line is that Dr. Heffernan wants the First Amendment to be whatever he interprets it to be. In other words, we have the right to say whatever we want so long as he doesn't find it offensive. 
or Jack Thompson, whoever he is, doesn't find it offensive, or, you know, a handful of other misfits in the market. And isn't it ironic that we were running all of that um, effort and energy on the So Far campaign, save our First Amendment rights in regard to the FCC, and they were, we were kind of the focal point of that whole business in focusing attention on the First Amendment and the right of speech, and therefore we become the immediate target. But you see, because these people can't turn off something that they don't like or that they find offensive. They have to get it off the air. And that's been typical with the people on the religious right for years. This is nothing new. This has been going on now for 15 years at least. In fact, with the Catholic Church, it's been going on a lot longer than that because way back in the 40s, they were the ones who instituted the rating system for motion pictures. Because naturally, these people have to set themselves up as censors for the entire country, not just the community, but the entire country, telling us what's naughty and what's nice, what we can read, what we can listen to, what we can watch, what we can think, etc. And as I said, you know, if you're out there like the Pied Piper, I've told you that story many, many times, where you feel like, you're the Pied Piper, you know, playing the flute and walking down the street and, you know, the, the, all the people marching behind you. When you finally get to a certain point and you turn around, you see there's nobody there. You're all alone. And I'm always fascinated by the fact that when push comes to shove, your colleagues generally are just like the people behind the Pied Piper. They're invisible. Oh, don't get me in the middle of this. I don't want to get involved. That's the kind of response. Because most people are scared for their job. Well, I'm not scared for my job because I'll be honest with you, like I said earlier in the hour, if I'm not here tomorrow, I'll be working on Monday somewhere. Doesn't faze me in the least. There are a lot of people. In fact, they're knocking on my door all the time. I've been being bugged all week long with phone calls from people who just love to have me go to work for them. All over the country. Because there are a lot of people out there who'd love to have a nine share of the audience in midday with most of the people living and breathing under the age of 100. They'd find that pretty exciting. You know, I've said many times before that this show pales into insignificance in terms of, I'm not talking about quality, I'm talking about content in terms of uh, the content level of coming close to the borderline with the Howard Stern Show in New York. And it's interesting to me that Howard Stern show on WXRK in New York is sold out for the next year and a half. They have a waiting list of a year and a half on that program. Now, don't, don't tell them not to send any food here, please. I'm going to get to that in a minute, okay? Tell them thank you, but no food. That's another thing lately. I come in this morning, and Tweety Bird says to me, Oh, there's a pizza coming. I said, when is this going to stop already? You see, that's the bottom line, these people who love you to death. And how many times have I said that in the air? And I'll confess, there was one day that I got very upset with Stan Major, but instead of going on the air the next day and carrying on about it, I called. I left a very poignant message, as Kyle will recall, who relayed the message. Because diabetes isn't funny. It's a life-threatening disease. And people lose their vision and their limbs and their lives from it. And I've tried, without going into a big song and a dance, because I don't come on the air usually, 
and get into my personal health problem. Well, you know, the rash, I guess. We could use that as an exception because I mentioned it, and we sat here, and the phones rang off the hook for two hours about my rash. But short of that, I don't come in here and cry on the public's shoulder about personal problems. And I have begged people, don't send food into this studio. And now every day, not once in a while, every day we have food coming in for the eating machine. So that when they preside over my funeral, they can all say, boy, he could sure eat a great meal, couldn't he? Like in the movie Fatso. Boy, he sure loved his corn. You know, whatever it is. Sure loved his pasta. And so, yeah, I did take exception with that. And I was angry for about an hour, I guess, about that with Stan Major. Because, as I said yesterday, I don't hold grudges. Children hold grudges. It's a childish thing to do. And if somebody is really your friend, you don't hold a grudge over something minor. And especially where there was no malice intended to begin with. So I'm still confounded, confused, dumbfounded, bewildered, and dismayed over what I heard yesterday. But I'm not going to apologize because I don't think that there's anything that I did that requires an apology. There was no shot intended. There was no shot given. And if Don Johnson and Miami Vice are indeed that important, then uh, what can I say? I thought it was funny. And evidently most of the people in the audience thought it was funny. But there just reaches a point in your life when you can't please anybody. When nobody is pleased with what you do. Except the audience. But you see, the audience doesn't count, which is something I've just learned recently. See, I always used to think that it was the audience that counted. I wasn't told to do the show for the owner of the radio station, for the general manager, for the program director, for the janitor, for my friends. I always was told that when you came on the radio and you did a show, it was for the audience. And to get the largest possible audience and to entertain them or amuse them or inform them or whatever the hell it was you were doing. That's what I always thought. And after 27 years in the business, finally I discover the audience doesn't count. No, we're supposed to please Dr. Heffernan. And we're supposed to please Bob Gilbertson in Portland, Maine at Guy Gannett Broadcasting. And we're supposed to please God only knows who else. I don't know who, but certainly not the audience because you folks don't count. We're supposed to please Howard Kleinberg at the Miami News and Lou Salome and Charlie Whitehead and John DeGroote and Mark Fisher and all these other mavens. They're the folks we're supposed to please. And not you people, because we know you're a bunch of verbal terrorists. You're just bad folks with dirty minds. And I love that line that also went uncontested yesterday on this radio station between 2.06 and 2.35 about, oh, how he came on the air. No, it wasn't. I take that back. I'm sorry. It was one of the ones. It was the day before on WIOD from our good friend Dave, another one of the chronic regular callers. And I noticed a lot of the chronic regulars were involved in that exercise yesterday. I even heard our friend Mike You-Know-Who who called in yesterday. Long since banished from the air on virtually every talk show in town. But when you get a chance to jump on and make your attack, boy, they're all right there, aren't they? They're all right there. Now I forgot the line. Forgot the line I was talking about that they heard the previous day. It'll come back because it was such a good one. It was such a classic. 
I mean, when you're responsible for so much evil and so many bad things, it's not easy to keep track of them all. I should have written them down. I don't make notes, but I should have written them all out. So lest I forget any of my sins and any of my evils. This is better than being Catholic. I mean, anybody can go and confess to one priest with a silly frock on. But when you can confess to 80,000 people out there listening, then you've really cleansed your soul. Then you've at least got purgatory made and maybe heaven. You know, who knows? Nine minutes before 11 at WYNZ. We'll come right back. Well, let's not get carried away. It just came back to me about the old fart on uh, Bill McQuig's show a couple of days ago on IOD with Dr. Hoffenmouth. And, um, no, we're not going to give his real name. We'll just call him Dr. Hoffenmouth, okay? Forget the injunction. No problem. Anyway, this guy's going on about, well, uh, you know, he went on in the daytime and they wanted all the young people. So, you know, all those young morons, all they want to talk about is sex and cars, you know? So, uh... you see, here we go again. It's always got to be the attack on anybody under the age of 100 because the old farts, they own South Florida. See, that's... Going all the way back to the Hallandale business, that was the first business of discontent when we had people taking up petitions in front of Albertsons and in front of Publix to get him off the air because we don't like what he's saying. See, that was the beginning of all of it. And, of course, uh, once you offend the uh, condo commandos, boy, you got some serious tourists in this town. you got real problems. And then when you offend Dr. Hoofenmouth, you've got a real bad problem. So the one thing that's consistent about this show, we don't, we don't single anybody out. We offend everybody. Even the people at work here are offended. Now, isn't it fascinating? How come he's upstairs today? Have you noticed that? That's a first in weeks, isn't it? I don't want to mention a certain animal who's not in the studio here lending moral support because he doesn't want to get in the middle of all of this. He's upstairs in the control room with Kyle. Just soaking it all up, just being very cautious not to dip his wing in anything poisonous. You understand what I'm saying? But that's okay. We can survive. We'll get through it, one way or the other. See, the irony of the whole thing is, what's ultimately going to happen is I'm going to wind up being gone because I was too successful. Too successful. See, I did too well. If I would have just gone ahead and we would have kept, you know, booking all of those boring guests and doing the same stuff I've been doing for 10 years or 10 and a half years, whatever it was, but no problem. We could have done a nice four and five share and had all the 90-year-old demographics and had all the funeral parlors on the air and just been like it was before and there would have been no problem. Although it is kind of interesting that, you know, when the Catholic Church first tried to get me off the air, it was for criticizing the Pope. They didn't like what I was saying about that. Uh, they didn't like the fact that I was homosexual. They didn't like the fact that I was too liberal. They didn't like what I said about, uh, you name it, about the Marielle Boatlift. So, you see, it really doesn't make any difference. But when you speak your mind, it's got nothing to do with vulgarity or with language. The problem is when you really say what's on your mind and you really speak out, then you got problems. So all of this crap about First Amendment rights and about freedom of speech is just that. It's just crap. Nobody who really says what's on their mind in this country sticks around very long. Because you've got to say what the establishment wants you to say. And that's basically the bottom line. Great to be alive, isn't it? So anyway, that's the end of hour number one. Boy, I just flew by like crazy. You would have thought I just sat down here an hour ago. 
And I don't know where anything goes from here, because as far as Stan is concerned, hopefully he'll be over it. You know, I thought yesterday, I really did. I thought he'd come in about 1.30, we'd laugh about it, and everything would be uh, back to abnormal. But no. No way, Jose. I haven't got a negative feeling in my body about Stan Major, or Mike Spindell, or Ernie Sochin. But I'm responsible for all of those people's uh, discontent. I guess even people I don't know who lose a job or who are unhappy or dissent, even people I don't know, it's my fault. So I hit it on the head yesterday, and I think, you know, I was joking when I said it, but I think you can go to the bank on it. If there's anything that you're unhappy about, you can blame me for it, because I'm probably responsible. 624-9400 in Dade, 524-9400 in Broward. Al Warnell is here with the headlines. World News from CBS at 11 o'clock. And we'll come back, perhaps, at 11.06. Fort Lauderdale, hello. Hi, Neil. Hi. Uh, I heard a, a news report last week uh, about the pro-life people wanting to uh, keep the abortion clinics closed. Yep. On the, the uh, Pope's arrival. For two days. And they're threatening to form a, a human chain to keep the people from going in the, the clinic. Yeah. Now, uh, I think anyone who has any sense of democracy, freedom, and, and all the rest that goes with it... Well, that leaves all of those people out. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just find that it seems that all the right-wingers, uh, they seem to be the most outspoken and, and the most people who are doing all the picketing and all the... The loud it. Yeah, they're going to make the decisions for all the rest of us. And if they think abortion is wrong, even though, you know, the law says that it's uh, okay, and even though all of those clinics have, are licensed by the state and are, you know, operating legally, uh, don't confuse them with the facts or with democracy or with anything else. They're going to impose their wishes if they decide that this show is uh, offensive, if they decide that a station in Jacksonville is offensive, if they decide that a magazine is offensive and shouldn't be on. They're going to make the decisions for all the rest of us. And it, you have to be a fool not to see how undemocratic and how how dangerous that is. It's very dangerous, and, and for those out there uh, who have any sense, uh, I, I'm going to be one of the people who are, uh, who will try to make an attempt to go in one of these clinics. And uh, I'm sorry for the person who tries to stop me from going in. Yeah, well, all those people, I got news for them, who are going to uh, try to stop people from going in are going to put themselves in a position of being arrested. They're going to put themselves in a position of getting their arms chopped off. Yeah, yeah, because they're going to be what they're going to be doing is going to be strictly illegal. Exactly. That's all I want to say. Okay, thank you. Bye. You know, it's one thing to march outside and to pick it with your stupid little signs and to carry on like a bunch of intolerant children, but if you're going to try to stop people from going into a duly licensed place of business, then you're going to be committing illegal acts, and I have a feeling there are going to be a lot of people being arrested that day. And isn't it going to be ironic that a lot of this money that's going to be spent by us taxpayers is going to help to go to arrest some of those people? Miami Beach, hello. Uh, Neil. Yes. Uh, how are you? Okay. Good. You're talking about the Kennedys. Uh, you left out... Uh, I, never said, I never said anything about the Kennedys. No, I, mean, I never mentioned I, I, the name. I didn't say anything about the Kennedys, but I'm, I'm saying to you, well, you were talking you about the Kennedys. Not the, I, I also want to bring up... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, what did this man just say? Did you listen to these first 20 seconds? 
you said to me you're talking about the Kennedys. And I said, I, back about an I hour. said, wait a minute. And I said, I haven't mentioned the name of any of the Kennedys. And you said, no, I didn't say that. But no, you mentioned the Kennedys before. No, I didn't mention the Kennedys, sir. I never mentioned their name. Well, I don't know. I must be going uh, uh, by Gaga. I don't know that. Now, you must be now. losing your mind, me. sir. I never Sorry. mentioned the Kennedys on this program. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the about Catholics, all, it, all the... the, the so what about them? So what does that have to do with it? They aren't the ones who are standing in the way of people having abortions or trying to dictate how people should live their lives. Yeah, how could they do a thing like that when they they, they, they themselves, along with that wonderful singer... Uh, oh, uh, pal, take an enema, would you please? That's that chronic regular on Miami Beach. You know, go... Go call up Ray Charles or somebody, pal. Get along. We don't we don't do your kind of show anymore, okay? With your senile babbling on the air. You see, that's the kind of stuff that we're supposed to do, according to this guy at St. Elizabeth Church. We're just supposed to sit here and let some guy like that put everybody in a coma. You talk about the Kennedys, you were talking about when, sir? When? What day, what year, what month? See, this is another one of these old farts who's got his own agenda, and he's going to bring up, you know, he's going to inject anything in there that he wants, even though we're not talking about that. Because that's how many of our very erudite, educated seniors in South Florida behave. Don't confuse us with what's going on. Everything is for us and for our convenience, including your show. Well, I got a surprise for you, pal. No more. Miami, hello. You get the feeling you're in the movie Gaslight? Yes. <laughs> You were doing so well, and you sounded so great the last couple of weeks. Exactly. I've been having a good... I was thinking about it yesterday. I, for the first time in a long time...